Welcome back. Hour three of the Bill Michaels show. Yeah, the first two hours went so quickly. They were so good. I It's like a good dream. I blinked and it was over just like that. And he, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> Andy Herman was awesome. And if you missed that interview, I'm going to play it again on my show tonight, the Wisco Sports Show from four to six. And if you never listened to that show and you're like, wow, this guy's not awful. And I, I listen, I'd check this guy's show out. Well, I always tweet out a link at Wisco Grant right before four o'clock when I start every night. So if you don't live where there is an affiliate, uh, the Wisco Sports Show on in Eau Claire, Sports Talk 105.1 WAYY on in Madison, The Zone. W-O-Z-N, W-K-T-Y in lacrosse, the OG, the founding father flagship. And I believe we're on in Marionette as well, which they should appreciate all this up north talk that we've had the last couple of days. So if you live outside of one of those markets, I always tweet out a link. It's a great day and age to be a fan of sports radio because you can stream everything and always go back and listen to podcasts. So Andy Herman going to join us on tonight's show, quote unquote, join us as in I will replay the interview that we did at 10.15. Eric Eager was supposed to join us at noon, and he texted me, and he said, Grant, I know it's last minute. I hate to do this to you. Could we push back 30 minutes? And I said, uh, Eric, uh, let me check my schedule really quick. Yeah, uh, I'm going to have to ask Brad Pitt to move his slot back, and then Christopher Nolan, who's joining us to talk about Oppenheimer, I'll, I'll move him. Yeah, yes, Eric, we can move you back 20 minutes. I will I will, I will. will fit you right in between Jack and the, you know, the S word. I'll move you in between nothing and and the other nothing, because it's the all-star break. Nothing's planned. So, yeah, we can do we can do 12.30, Eric. That works just fine. Eric Eager, Sumer Sports, formerly a pro football focus. He did some time educating the, the young minds, the bright minds, the next generation at UW-Lacrosse as well, teaching math and statistics and calculus. So we'll talk football, talk Packers, NFC with him coming up at 12.30. 608-321-1670 if you'd like to join the show and talk to me about whatever. We got all the time in the world. I'm not going to rush you off the phone after 30 seconds. We could sit down and really shoot the breeze for it. Well, I'm already sitting. If you would like to also sit down and shoot the breeze, you can. You can stand as well. I'm not going to tell you how to. I'm not going to tell a caller how to be a caller. That's that's for you to decide. Something I wrote down last night, I was cooking up takes in the kitchen. I was also cooking up chicken. Uh, I have two uh, chicken wings, chicken drumsticks in my cooler behind me. I'm very excited to get into those when the show is done at 2 o'clock. But I was, I was making chicken on the stove and I was making takes on my laptop on the counter while the chicken was cooking. And I wrote down a couple questions for Eric, a couple thoughts on Shohei Otani, a couple thoughts on the ESPYs. And I also tried to expand it on, a, on an idea that we started yesterday with Austin. The pros and cons of sustaining success, which could be the title of any vanilla book on business that anybody has ever read. That... That could be the title of a book written by any CEO at any company ever. The pros and cons of sustaining success. That's just such a generic phrase that you could say about anything. But what I mean, the Brewers have elected the last couple of years to build their team very slowly. They're not being overly aggressive, right? Because there are teams where as soon as they start to get a little bit of success, trade, get a starter, get a bat, we're going to go for it. Now's our time. And maybe the Brewers did that a little bit in 2008, but that was different. The Brewers hadn't made the playoffs in 20-plus years. CC Sabathia was available, and much like the Sacramento Kings this last season, the Brewers kind of just had to get it. Like, come on, guys. Even if it's not going to end in a World Series, even if you're not going to be playing late into October, this is getting ridiculous. Make the playoffs. So 2008 was more symbolic. 2011, they certainly went for it with Sean Markham and Zach Greinke. Now, 2018 to now... The Brewers have not built their team that way. They're sustaining success. 
or as David Stearns poignantly said last year, they want as many bites at the apple as possible. So the Brewers, essentially, they don't want to get too high. They don't want to get too low. They want to be a certain level of good every year, a certain level of good that will get them into the club, get them into the dance, give them a chance, but also not hurt their chances the next year or the next year or the next year. And like any team building strategy, there are pros and cons. There are pros and cons to doing it this way. And I want to talk about that. But there are pros and cons to building it up and tearing it down and building it up and tearing it down. There's pros and cons to spending big in free agency. There's pros and cons to making big trades. There's obviously pros and cons to not doing anything. Look at the Oakland Athletics. More cons than than pros, I would argue. Although they have a lot of cash to burn. They're just choosing. They're just choosing not to burn it, right? I think the bites of the apple strategy is a is a pretty good one. I I would have tweaked that strategy a couple times the last few years. Like if you want as many bites at the apple as possible, don't endanger one of those bites by trading away Josh Hader. And David Stearns, maybe the uh maybe the weakness of David Stearns is also his strength. I think the strength of David Stearns is he's brilliant and he's mathematically minded and he's not stuck to a lot of the clichés that old-timey classic baseball scouts are stuck to, right? Look at Moneyball, and they're like, oh, he's, he's too fat. He's got a weird-looking swing. He, he runs funny. David Stearns was never going to be bothered by those cliches and, and those red flags that classic baseball scouts have had for years, and I think that allowed David Stearns to use numbers and dollars and cents to build really good football teams with the budget he was given, and that's why the Brewers were so good 2018 through last year. I also think David Stern's strength of being numbers-oriented and statistics-oriented also last year became his weakness because he didn't anticipate the effects of the Josh Hader trade on the people in the locker room. Forget the innings, forget the step, forget all that. The players weren't going to like it, and David Stern's, I don't think, weighed that enough. So I would have tweaked the team building, the bites of the Apple team building strategy last year. I was fine with everything they did except for the Josh Hader trade, really. It was okay they didn't burn any prospects, although maybe at the time I was complaining that they weren't trading prospects. That's fine. We don't need to go back and and pull that audio, pull those receipts. I think there's a lot of pros and cons to the way the Brewers are doing business, and we can dive deeper into some of those pros and cons as the show goes on. Let's take a couple of calls. 608-321-1670, line one. Welcome to the Bill Michaels Show. Who's this? Hello? Line one, are you there? Hello? Hello? Yep, Daniel and Toma, is that you? Yeah, earlier that was me, and then for some reason the headset was going. What I was going to tell you, uh-huh. the reason people want to go with the Packers a little bit, mm-hmm. the reason people have problems with love is because nobody else is going to draft him number one. And why did he draft up to get a number one for love? And that's why people are having problems with it. It's kind of like the Chicago. Nobody was after that one quarterback, and then he made number one and flopped. Out there in New York, same thing. So who knows what's going to happen? I hope it doesn't. hope he makes it. When it comes to the Brewers, uh, you're right on the numbers. He was great with the numbers, but what he doesn't understand, there's also leadership. The people. Same thing as the yeah. Packers. Yeah. Last year, everybody said there was nobody in that locker room besides Rodgers taking leadership, defense, and all that. There's somebody who were, like, chatting each other. No, you got to have one person in there screaming and hollering and make that make these people give them that extra boost. The same thing when I was in the military. There's always that you know you got a sergeant or someone in the platoon that makes people motivated. Did the Brewers not have someone like that right now? Do you think? I didn't think they did. Okay. Right now, 
I really don't know. I never hear anybody really speaking out saying, hey, I'm taking charge. It's it's same thing. They're having problems now. I think they're a good team. I think they're playing small ball. Everybody wants them to play home run ball, but I think the small ball is working to a point, but you got to have a couple home runs in there. And I think the last series with Cincinnati, I think they did pretty good. They should have. Yeah. Again, I told you, go back. And then, because and it's not because he ain't a good closer, it's because we didn't have seventh and eighth. That's where the problem is. It's not, he's a good closer, but we. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, we keep on losing in the seventh and eighth. I'm with you, Daniel. Are, are you in a tunnel? Where Where are you calling me? Are you Are you in a, in a submarine somewhere? Your reception's just really bad. I think he's in a submarine. Sorry, Daniel. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. Uh, if you were on my show, Daniel, I would suffer through that. I I would fight through that bad reception, and I would and I I would be patient and you know cut out as many words as I could hear. And I know the other day, Daniel, you told us that you don't think Devin Williams is a good enough closer. I I think, Daniel, and I don't mean to, you know, evaluate what your mind and the way that your mind works. I think that you think Devin Williams is fine. What you're saying is we don't have guys around Devin. One elite bullpen arm does not a bullpen make. You know who said that? I just did. I don't even know if that makes any sense. But yeah, Grant Bills, 2023. The bullpen needs more than one elite guy. And I think Piomps is getting close. Piguero, I know he had that brain fart against Ellie De La Cruz on Saturday. Set that aside, he's been really good, and he's added pitches and, and, and weapons to his pitching arsenal that have been really good. And I think Abner Uribe, you're telling me that Craig Council gets another toolsy reliever? Uh, another reliever? Okay, so this guy can throw 100, and now Craig Council's going to have that guy to play with? Mm. Mm. I'm, I'm telling you, Craig Council's going to do some things with that. He's going to cook. Okay, so Daniel, I know that that Devin Williams, you don't think that he's a good enough closer. I think your frustration is in the past, we've had Devin Williams and Josh Hader. Or in 2018, God, that bullpen was legit. Knable, Jeffress, Burns, Hader. You need lots of guys. You need a collection of guys, and there's no better manager in baseball to use and utilize a collection of guys quite like Craig Council. He's the best at it. He always has been. Take another call. Hopefully this next caller is not calling from the inside of a nuclear reactor. 608-321-1670. Welcome to the Bill Michaels Show. Who's this? This is Chase. Chase, what's going on? You sound very clear, Chase. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, this has nothing to do with like what you're talking about. That's okay. I kind of just want your opinion on this. Like, I know Tuesday you were talking about like Who's the like the best in the NFC? I was just kind of curious on what your takes on AFC. Ooh, the best teams in the AFC? Is that what yeah, you're asking? Yeah, like if anyone will dethrone the Chiefs. Well, let's let's talk about it this way because I I was trying to organize my thoughts last night. I think the Chiefs and the Bengals are the top tier of the AFC, but the Chiefs are are markedly better than the Bengals. But I also have much more respect for the Bengals and Burrow and what they've done in the playoffs. I have much more respect for the Bengals than I do Buffalo, Baltimore, the Chargers, Jacksonville. So the way I visualize it is the Chiefs and the Bengals are off by themselves in, in, in the front. The Chiefs are driving the motorcycle, and the Bengals are in this little rinky-dink sidecar. Like, they're they're up with the Bills, and they're they're close to the level of the Bills, or the, the Chiefs, I should say. But they are, they are markedly below the Chiefs because the Chiefs stand alone. So the next tier is then, Chase, Buffalo, Baltimore, Los Angeles, the Chargers— 
Jacksonville, maybe the Jets, maybe the Dolphins, if you buy into those teams, if you buy into a renaissance from Deshaun Watson, maybe the Browns. Which team do you think in that next year is is the most likely to contend with the Chiefs and, and with the Bengals? Uh, I think the Dolphins. Ooh, you're a Dolphins guy. Okay, talk me through that. Oh, no, I'm not a Dolphins guy. I'm a Tennessee guy, but I, okay. I, I believe in the hype in the Dolphins. You think Tua stays healthy. That's something that you must believe if you think the Dolphins are going to have a year and they yeah. contend. Interesting. And if they can somehow get Dalvin Cook... I wonder. I wonder. I wonder what the market is like for Dalvin Cook. I think the contract for Dalvin Cook is going to surprise people. I don't think he's that good anymore. I think he's fine. I just don't think he's that good anymore. Running backs lose their speed and physicality fast. Now, he still has the name, and I think a team will pay enough to have that name and have that experience, but I'm not saying he's washed. I just don't think he's that good anymore. Yeah, unless you're Derrick Henry, you don't lose speed or power. Yeah, that's true. He does have a bad offensive line. Yeah, he hasn't lost speed or power yet. I think Dalvin Cook has. I, I think public perception always trails a little bit behind. So I think I think most players have lost speed and power before we believe they've lost speed and power. I'm I'm willing to make that bet with Dalvin Cook. I think Baltimore. I think they would be my third team because I think Lamar has become underrated through all the drama last year and through the time that he missed. When Lamar's healthy, that team's incredible. And I think they've done a little bit to add some weaponry on offense and and to settle their their coordinator situation. I think Baltimore's in for a big year, and I think Lamar's in for a big year. So do you think Baltimore could take the division over Cincinnati? I don't know about take the division. I think they could win just as many games as Cincinnati. Sure, I think they could. I'm just thinking at the end of the year in the playoffs when all these teams are getting ready to contend and try to go on a run, I would bet on the Chiefs and the Bengals, and then the next team would probably be Baltimore if Lamar is healthy, and that's been the big if the last couple of years. Yeah. I don't think the Browns can win the division. The Browns are an interesting team, and I think we just kind of have to wait and see what Deshaun Watson looks like. I've seen what the what the uh, the Ravens look like with a healthy Lamar, and it's really good. And I think this team and this coaching staff is going to be better than the ones of the last couple of years. So I think I I think I take Lamar and the the Ravens behind the Chiefs and the Bengals. I think that's my pick, Chase. Yeah, I can see it. You don't sound convinced. That's fine. You're 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 big into the Dolphins. It sounds like, and that's exciting. I just no. yeah. There's more variables with the Dolphins. There's variables with the Jets. Jacksonville. I don't know. I like them a lot. It's just really hard for me to say this team is going to contend because their division stinks. I think Jacksonville will win lots of games because their division stinks. And I think they'll be in in a good spot to win the division, get in the playoffs. But I don't know if they're yet on the level of Baltimore. I've seen it with Baltimore. I've seen it with Baltimore. I've seen it before. So I I know it's there. I'm not sure about the Jags or, or about the Dolphins or the Jets. Yeah, I don't believe too much in my Tennessee Titans. This year, well, we got rid of that worthless offensive coordinator, so that's good. Yeah, you lost what's his name, Marty? Not Marty Morningwig. I know that's not his name. Oh, Todd Downing. Todd, yeah, maybe that's it. I'm trying to think of the guy who's doing offense. Greg Roman, not Marty Morningwig. Greg Roman. Oh, Greg Roman. Yeah, he's with Baltimore. Yeah. Well, not anymore, I don't think, didn't they? Well, no, 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 no. I okay. don't know where he went. I was going to say, I'll put the research department on it over this next commercial break. But yeah, I think he he departed. I don't know where he went. I think they, they got Todd Monken, who weirdly, this long path, Todd Monken was a head coaching candidate for the Packers in 18, then was with Georgia, now back in the NFL with Baltimore. That's going to be a really cool fit, I think. I'm excited to watch that team this fall. Big Ravens guy. Yeah. I'm not a better, but I'd play some futures. I'd play some money on 
Lamar props and and I don't know about MVP props because MVP is always such a weird fickle thing. But I, I'm very high. I buy a lot of stock on the Ravens. I appreciate you, Chase. We're gonna take a break. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Six zero eight three two one. 1670. Let's pause for three minutes. We'll come back. Continue talking about the Brewers. Talk about the NFL. Eric Eager to join us to talk. NFC, AFC, Packers, everything going on as we get ready for training camps to start. That's coming up in 10, 15 minutes. Bill Michaels show back in three minutes. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michaels show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome to Pella. Hi. Come to my attention. I need new windows. You do? Hey, sweetie, what's this? My art project. Honey, it's rotten. We need to toss it. Then why do we have to keep our rotten windows, Dad? Well, you came to the right place. Pell has a limited lifetime warranty on our wood windows, so this doesn't happen again. Thank you. Visit PellaWI.com today. Bill Michaels Show. My name is Grant Bills. I'm filling in for Bill this week. And I get it. I'm a listener of sports radio. I'm a host of sports radio. But I'm a listener first. That's how I set my schedule. It's how I go about my day. I wake up, I turn on one show. I get to the afternoon, I turn on another. I listen to a podcast. I I get it. I set my watch. I schedule my life to the sports content that I consume. So if you're a diehard Bill Michaels fan, and I'm sure some of you are, you might turn the radio on this week and today and be like, this guy, I know I'm not Bill. Give me some time. Let let me prove myself. I think I can, I think I convince you uh, to not only enjoy this show, but maybe just come on over to the dark side. Listen to my show, four to six every night, the Wisco Sports Show. I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Big breaking news on Twitter over the break. Holy smokes. The Brewers 2024 schedule is out. No, not the promotional schedule, although that didn't stop me from tweeting at Adam McCalvey asking, Uh, But we do have the 2024 MLB schedule. Brewers opening day is Thursday, March 28th against the Mets at Citi Field. Yeah, it probably won't rain. It'll probably be really warm and summery in New York City. Yeah, that's good scheduling. Why does Major League Baseball do this? Anyways, Mets at Citi Field opener on March 28th. The home opener is April 2nd against the Twins. So that'll be fun. One thing that I looked at immediately. What are the days leading into the All-Star break? Because the Brewers for the last couple of years notorious senior sliders. They'd get senioritis going into the All-Star break. They say that break, and they see it on the schedule, and they go into cruise control mode. Now, this year, it was pretty good. They split the series with the Cubs, really entertaining, hard-fought four-game series against the Cubs, and then they took two out of three from the Reds, including one of the most important victories of the season on Sunday. So this year, they bucked that trend, but until I see them bucket a couple of seasons, I'm not a believer that this is not a uh, uh, an All-Star slide team they play going into the all-star break three games at home against the pirates and three games at home against the nationals and then they have monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday off and they get that extra friday off because it's a two-game series against the twins saturday and sunday so they get that extra day which will be nice i believe i saw 10 of the last 13 games at home oh we like that in september uh excuse me craig timber in craig timber Three games at home against the Cardinals, three against the Rockies, three games at home against the Phillies, three at home against the Diamondbacks, three at home against the Mets. That means 13 home games to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine 
games on the road and only three home games past September 16th. So I love how the schedule shakes out. Now we just need to see what promotions Rick Schlesinger and the Brewers front office will roll out for next season. Page Speronic part three. Page Strikes Back. We could think of some name for it. Maybe a crossover promotion. Page Speronic Return of the Page. Turning the Page. Page, you know, page number three. I don't know. I'm not in the marketing department. Just spitballing here. Now we wait for the promotional schedule, which is the most exciting schedule of all to release. This year, I think it really, well, I know the exact day that it released. It released uh, in early February. I think February 17th is when Adam McCalvey tweeted it out. I remember because it, it played a large role in the timeline of the documentary that I produced and released uh, by myself, written and produced and acted by myself, if you missed it. Uh, it aired on the Wisco Sports Show two weeks ago. It's called A Promotion That Saved a Season. Page Sporonic Bobblehead Night, and it is pinned if you want to go listen to it. The link is pinned at the top of my Twitter profile, at Wisco Grant. Took a call from Chase about NFC, AFC, some of maybe the teams that we could expect to challenge the top-tier teams, the Eagles, the Niners, the Chiefs, the Bengals. Talking a little bit about the Brewers as well. I just think there are a lot of pros and cons to sustaining success. One con is that I don't know that the Brewers should ever be interested in the trade deadline. We always ask, buy or sell? You know, should they be buyers? Should they be sellers? If this Brewers plan of sustaining success and bites at the apple, if this is the plan that they're doing and they're succeeding, they should never buy. They should never sell. Because they're never trying to get too high or to get too low. So the, the idea is you go into the season with the team you have that should, in theory, every year be good enough to get in. And then you don't push any chips to the middle of the table. You don't fold and give up and sell any pieces. It makes the trade deadline a very sticky wicket when you're trying to just get as many bites at the apple. And I remember David Stern's press conference last year, and I might even pull it up. I'll put the research department on this. David Stern's postseason presser. I might pull it up right now. There was a question that David Stern's was asked about, you know, does it hurt? any extra does it hurt even more missing out on the playoffs this year because the whole goal of this structure the whole goal of the way that you're operating is to just get a bite at the apple every year and this season you didn't get a bite you didn't get in right you're playing the odds on if we get in every year eventually it's going to happen for us but in order for that to work you gotta get in and they didn't get in last year so David Stearns and I think it was one of the first couple questions in this the Josh Hader trade was broached very early in this presser, and with good reason, I'm going to turn this up. From ownership on down, uh, that remains our objective. Um, it, it's what we are aiming towards. And God, he's a robot. I do miss him, though. Seek. Um, so appreciate everyone's time, and uh, happy to take any and all questions. I think it was the first question. Yeah, we'll start with Todd. Todd Rosiak. Hey, Shout out, Todd. We asked you a lot during the season after it was consummated, the Josh Hader trade. Um, <laughs> he said, wait, wait, wait. wait. He used the word consummated to describe the Josh Hader trade. That's incredible. Retrospectively, do you feel like making that trade, what would you guys do months of the season? So he talked about the Hader um, trade. God. We had fits and starts after that. He was spitting this uh, whole press conference. In, uh, this is really bad radio. I'm going to find this over the break. He was asked last year, does not getting a bite at the apple hurt even more because your only goal is to simply get a bite at the apple? And the answer is yes, of course. I don't remember how David Stearns answered, and in my goal to find that question and answer in the middle, in the midst of this 30-minute press conference, and I will find it. 
But when you're trying to sustain success, you in theory, right, should never really be buying or selling at the deadline. You should be maintaining. You should just be middle of the road. Randy Newman, heart of America, right down the middle. Should never be too aggressive in acquiring big pieces. You should never be too passive in selling big pieces off. It's just how it should be. That's the way that it should work. So I don't know if the Brewers are ever going to be big, exciting participants in the trade deadline. Now, pro to sustaining success is we're invested and bought in every year. And I started this show in 2018, August of 2018. Not this show. This is the Bill Michael show. But I started my show that I host in the evenings in 2018. And every season the last couple of years, we've had expectations. And we've watched this team with expectations of success and expectations of progress and expectations of improvement from player. There has been no year that I have done sports talk radio where we've kicked back and said, well, this year's a lost cause. You know, just get through it and, you know, do the best you can. You know, hopefully go get some free bobbleheads at the ballpark, drink some beers, have a good time. It's never been the reality when I've been doing this job. And I'm very thankful for that. And I think a lot of Brewers fans are very thankful that they have a purpose, a reason to turn on the Brewers every night. Right? Like We're excited, even when the teams haven't been their best the last couple of years. In theory, any of these Brewers teams are good enough to get in the playoffs and make some noise. And with the exception of last year, they've gotten in every year. They made the playoffs four straight years, 18, 19, 20, 20, 20, 21. And then last year, the gosh darn hater trade. I'm not saying that was the only thing that went wrong, but it was, you know, it was was the big one. It was the big part of what went wrong. 608-321-1670. If you would like to join the show, I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. We're going to get our guy Eric Eager, Sumer Sports, on the horn to talk Packers, talk NFC North, talk NFC, talk AFC, the whole shooting match. Let's talk NFL with Eric Eager coming up next on The Bill Michael Show. Ready? This is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. the bill michaels show i'm filling in for bill taking care of things this week i'm gonna go uh, check on his tiki bar probably later this week make sure all his beer is good i don't want anything to go bad so i'll do some taste testing make sure everything's okay he's on vacation down at his lake house with family so we'll be back on monday look forward to that i'm on twitter at wisco grant you can call the show if you'd like 608-321-1670. It took two and a half hours, but we finally started talking about the Josh Hader trade. So we finally got there. We checked that box today. Now joining us, Eric Eager. He's at Sumer Sports. Uh, you are the numbers man, the leader of research and development. Did I see last night that one of your stats, your metrics, was in the Megan Rapino book that you were reading? That's pretty darn cool. I, I it was, uh, Grant, by the way, not, nice, to, nice to hear from you. I, I um yeah, it was it was crazy. I was just reading this book. I got uh, like 150 odd pages in, and all of a sudden, I'm like, "Wait, that was me that made that statistic." And I, I I've never it, it, it's never been a more improbable placement in a book for me. So I'm I'm pretty. It was pretty. It was pretty weird. By the way, I, I pulled a you the other night. I've, I've referred to this as the Eric Eager. I was watching the home run derby, but it was on mute, and I was listening to a podcast. Uh, while I was watching. So maximizing my time, that's a very Eric Eager type of practice. When you first told me you did that, I was floored. And now I'm like, okay, if you watch a ton of football, that's a lot of time that you can repurpose and listen to something else instead of listening to whatever Fox's, you know, A, B, C, D team talk about, you know, yards after the catch or whatever. So I'm I'm, I'm learning yeah. from you slowly but surely. Yeah, I, I will say that when I watch CFL games, though, I leave it on just because, you know, being now living in Atlanta before living in Cincinnati, I miss 
the Midwest. And while Canadian accents are not quite the same <laughs> as Wisconsin or Minnesota accents, uh, it, it, it makes me feel a little bit more at home. But yeah, I mean, I always would just get tilted by, you know, the, the play-by-play and the color people. It's like, it's so much better when you just kind of have, you know, something else on and you can, you know, sort of kill two birds with one stone. Interesting. Do you like Atlanta? Uh, it's hot. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, just getting back from uh, a meeting here, it was like once you, you know, getting in, in and out of uh, getting in and out of buildings is like a, a, a shock. But but for the most part, yeah, it's nice. I've never been. Uh, I think I went through the airport once, but that's a, a big city that I have to cross off my list. Maybe we'll talk about the Falcons. Uh, probably not. Let's start with the Packers because they're our team here, obviously training camp in a couple of weeks. You remain a Matt LaFleur believer, maybe one of the biggest, because every time I see you tweeting about the Packers, you're always saying Matt LaFleur is very underrated coming into this year. Matt LaFleur is not getting enough credit. I'm not anti-Matt LaFleur. I just think last year frustrated a lot of Packers fans, but we're fans and owners. I'm also an owner. So we're a little bit prisoner of the moment when the team's not winning. Tell me why you're bullish on Matt LaFleur and, and what you believe about him to be true coming into this season. Well, I think we forget how kind of dysfunctional it was at the end of the Mike McCarthy era and, you know, also kind of how good McCarthy's been-ish with Dallas, you know, winning 12 games consecutive years. I think the, the very act of getting Aaron Rodgers, who was starting to decline physically and mentally, let's be honest, to a, two straight MVPs, I think is a, is a feat that everybody's going to attribute all of that to Rodgers himself, but I think... LaFleur deserves some credit there. And when you look at some of the, the in-game stuff that has really probably irritated Packers, a lot of it was Rodgers, a lot of you know, taking timeouts you know, at, the end of the, at, at the end of the play clock and, and that kind of thing. Whereas if you look at like fourth down decisions, you look at um, you know, a lot of the in-game decision stuff that's kind of beneath the hood a little bit, um, he's quite good. And um, I'm just a, a bigger fan. I think a lot of last year, a lot of – everybody attributes the good things to Rogers and maybe the bad things to LaFleur. And I think, I think we need to re-rack that opinion and, and Jordan love being kind of, you know, a calibration tool in many ways, I think mm. will, will help us understand that this year. So we haven't talked. I don't think we talked after the draft. I, I maybe we did. I'm not sure. The Packers drafted Jaden Reed wide receiver, two young tight ends, Luke Musgrave and Tucker Kraft. Celtic, I think South Dakota or South Dakota State. Did you ever play against those schools? I know you played football at Moorhead. Do you have any run-ins with the Jackrabbits up there in the Dakotas, or is that a different uh, different league, different we, conference? We played in the Dome at University of South Dakota. That was one of the last places that still had the carpet turf, you know, like the one-inch thick carpet turf that yeah. was above like a slab of concrete, and we lost like 51-3. to three. So we were certainly not in that class, <laughs> uh, but we, we did play in that, in that, in that region right now. Uh, which which was pretty fun. So I bet you could really turn on the speed in that dome, though. You could finally show off the wheels. You know, playing outside Moorhead, I'm sure you you didn't have many opportunities to open it up and, and really get down the field. I can I can picture it now. That's that's Luke Musgrave, right? He's got the speed, the straight line speed. Tucker Craft a little bit more of a traditional tight end. I don't want to talk specifics about the players. I don't know if they're going to be good or not. I'll hope. I'll cheer for him because I'm a Packers fan and owner again. But I just like that the Packers did what I've wanted them to do for years. Let's get a couple of guys. Let's get a wide receiver, two tight ends, and really take a a big, committed approach to turning this group of weapons over and stop holding on to Lazard and Randall Cobb and and wishing the wide receiver core would be what it was years ago. Let's turn the page and completely restart, and I love that they did that. I'm excited to watch this group of of weapons coming into this year. Yeah, I agree. I think 
you're right about, you know, turning the page, you know, going through and having some young players in there with Dobbs and, and Watson. Watson was pretty good last year. Uh, a lot of it was touchdown inflated, but still, yeah. you know, a fairly solid rookie season. Dobbs is kind of that, um, you know, the possession guy, and then you put in the tight end. I think a lot of what was missing from their offense was the boot action stuff that in 2020 was so good. Uh, the Robert Tanyan, and when, you, you know, he added injuries. Luke Musgrave, now he's been injured a lot at Oregon State, um, but has that athleticism that, that you can really, uh, you know, do well with. And much like when they brought in, you know, A.J. Dillon to pair with Aaron Jones, it's good that they brought in two tight ends that kind of complement each other. Uh, so I like that. I think the offensive line should be better than a season ago with some experience and some health. Uh, I, yeah, the offense to me, like, it's all going to be about when Jordan Love hits that back foot, does he trust the offense? Because when Aaron Rodgers did, that was a great offense. When he mm-hmm. did not trust the offense, it was middling. And, you know, and some of that was some induced last year, I know, but some of it was just, you know, a guy that was pretty enigmatic. If Jordan Love can be kind of the guy that colors between the lines and less of an artist like Rodgers was, I think this offense can be really, really good um, given the structure that LaFleur gives it. I think the Packers can can run an offense and Matt LaFleur's offense can be executed without really reinventing the wheel. Like you said, the bootleg stuff, the rollouts, the slants, very simple plays that I think Rodgers left on the vine a lot. He just wasn't interested sometimes, it would seem, and, and maybe I'm misremembering, maybe it's me being emotional as a fan, but he would leave a lot of easy yards on the vine and then you'd, you'd be second and 10, third and 11, and it's just really hard to live like that. I have a, a lot of optimism that the Packers can do the little things and, and run an effective offense. I do doubt a little bit, and I question their ability to create explosive plays, right? And there's a lot of ways that you can do that, but you always compare running an NFL offense to crossing the street, right? The more plays that you run and the more little plays that you do, the greater chance that something's going to go wrong. You're getting hit by a car. There's going to be a holding penalty. There's going to be a fumble, a turnover, something. So you need to create explosive plays. How, with a young quarterback and young weapons, do you find those explosive? Do you have any idea of what the Packers could do to do that this fall? Well, I think they have the ingredients, right? They have a downfield threat who, you know, unlike some of the, you know, other speedsters in the league, I mean, you know, Christian Watson's a, a better version of what Marquez Valdez-Scantling was where he'll take the top off and, you know, there are going to be some games where it's six for 110 and a touchdown and there's going to be other games where it's zero for zero. Yeah. And, it, and in the games where it's zero for zero, that middle of the field is going to be open because the safeties are going to go with his unreal speed and, and those tight ends and Dobbs and, uh, the running backs are there in Jones, who is a very good receiver. I, I think that's where you're going to get explosives, but it's going to come from sort of staying ahead of the sticks as well. And the one thing that was kind of you know, troublesome about them last year was in the run game, especially with A.J. Dillon, they just weren't efficient. And so, um, you know, they were in those second and seven, second and eight. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, you want to have that deep threat down the field to, to look downfield, but you also want to be able to check it down and, and get four or five yards so you're in second and six and you can continue to go after those chunk plays. Eric Eager, Sumer Sports, longtime friend of show, always very generous with his time and, and with his takes. I want to ask you about the AFC and the NFC. Let's start with the AFC. I put the Chiefs and the Bengals in a class of their own because I respect what the Bengals have done, even though they haven't won a title. I respect what the Bengals have done and how they've handled themselves in big games and in playoff games in a way that Baltimore and and, and the next tier of teams haven't. But I recognize that the Chiefs are, are above the Bengals. So the way I visualize it, they're not in a tier alone the Chiefs are driving the motorcycle and the Bengals are in a little dinky sidecar but they are I I think those two teams in a group by themselves the next tier Buffalo Baltimore Chargers Jacksonville 
what do you think is is the team most likely to lead that next year and maybe challenge either the Chiefs or the Bengals? Yeah, I think it's Buffalo still. And, I, okay. you know, I think we, we always over-index on our most immediate. And, look, they, they got killed by the, by the Bengals in what should be, in theory, their environment, the snow and, and at home. Um, but you look back, you're like, okay, they're six-point favorites in that game. If you re-ran that game, how many times do the Bills win? I think the Bills at least win that game 60 to 75 you know, percent okay. of the time. And, and so I think, you know, Josh Allen injured, Von Miller injured. They kind of remind me a little bit of those old Colts teams where they were the best team in the league. And for some reason, the Patriots always kept winning the Super Bowl. The Steelers would come up and win a Super Bowl. And everybody kind of wrote the Colts off. And then in 06, they start 9-0. and They finish, I think, 3-4 and down the stretch. They get, they're in the playoffs. And they don't have a bye anymore. Everybody writes them off. And then they win a Super Bowl. And I think that that's kind of where I see Buffalo. Buffalo was the best team in the NFL the last few years. And, and, you know, they don't get home. And I think we're all like, well, this team is, can't get over the hump. And I think it's immediately once that pressure is off that you see some of these teams emerge. So I'll put Buffalo there. The one team that I think you didn't put in that second tier that might end up surprising people mm-hmm. is Cleveland. I think Cleveland's got sure. really good talent. Uh, Deshaun Watson could go either way. But if he goes one way, that team could be quite good. I agree with you. Before I ask you about the NFC, I have a trivia question because Quinnen Williams just signed his big extension and you might have your computer in front of you, so you might have seen this, but he got all the money. He's the number one paid defensive lineman now. Quinnen Williams is now the first Jets player selected in the first round to sign a second contract with the organization since, do you know who? Do you know the player? 2011. Uh, was it Muhammad Wilkerson? Yeah, <laughs> that's insane. That's wild. Especially because they're always yeah. picking at the top of the first round. Those are the contracts that, that should be is, easy. Oh man, is that Packers legend Muhammad Wilkerson? Dude, you joke, but like we were excited. <laughs> We've got excited for all these guys. We look back now, like we oh Muhammad Wilkerson, but we were amped when Muhammad Wilkerson signed. We were like, this is why you get Mike Pettin. <laughs> he gets the respect to players like this. He's bringing you know talent to Green Bay. It's just uh looking back at some of these players over the years the last decade it's it's funny it's also kind of sad at least we re-sign a lot of our first round picks unlike the jets nfc really quickly i'm asking this to every football guest i have on between now and the start of the season i think it tells me a little bit about the way you view life i think this is a personality question as much as a football one if you had to bet the house on a team to win the nfc not the eagles not the niners who would you pick I'm going to go with Detroit. Ooh, I like that. That's two. Tyler Dunn said the same thing. Andy Herman just told me the Cowboys a couple hours ago. Begrudgingly, the Cowboys. He wasn't excited about it. But Detroit is an interesting team. Detroit is kind of in that bucket with Seattle and um, there's another team like this, the Giants. And I know the Giants and the Seahawks kind of, they made the playoffs. They took a step that Detroit didn't, but they were these teams that snuck up on folks uh, despite limited expectations. I know you and, and a lot of Sharps believed in Detroit last year. It's about taking the next step, right? So you think Detroit can take the next step maybe in a way that the Giants or the Seahawks can't? Well, the Giants the the Giants schedule is horrendous. I mean, they don't get a bye till week 13. I think they, the Giants will be a better team this year with um with a worse record. The Cowboys, the only reason I didn't pick the Cowboys is unlike the Lions, and I don't mean to catch shade on Vikings fans, Packers fans, or Bears fans. Yeah. But the pass the pass for for the Cowboys is through the Eagles. 
the pass for the Lions is through a bunch of other easier teams. Yeah. And so that's my really only my, – my, my difference between those two. I think the Cowboys are better, but I think the Lions have an easier road to the Super Bowl. Um, I actually think they, the Lions could be the one seed. I mean, if you see some things happening this year, you know, in, injuries to, you know, Niners quarterback, Cowboys and Eagles beat each other up. I, I think the, the Lions could very well be the bye team in the NFC. God, well, that got me excited. I'm excited about the NFC North. This division is going to be a lot of noon games and a lot of not attractive games to casual fans. But as an NFC North guy, I'm excited. The season is is very interesting, and I can see it going lots of ways. Eric, I kept you really long, but I'm selfish, and I like asking you questions. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate you as always. Of course, man. It's always fun. Uh, yeah, anytime. Enjoy Atlanta. Eric Eager, Sumer Sports. He hosts a podcast with Thomas Dimitrov. It's very good. Uh, and they approach talking about games and talking about the sport in, in lots of different perspectives that you don't often hear from other shows. So I would 10 out of 10 recommend Eric and all the content that he's on. And he's busy. He's doing radio hits on a dozen stations a day and doing podcasts. And But that's the Midwesterner in him. He can't say no, which I love. I love the Midwesterner, Eric, who's now in Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. Hot Atlanta, Eric Eager. Three minutes and we'll come back, wrap up hour number three of the Bill Michaels Show. This is the Bill Michaels Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome to Paula. Hi. It's come to my attention. I need new windows. You do? Hey, sweetie, what's this? My art project. Honey, it's rotten. We need to toss it. Then why do we have to keep our rotten windows, Dad? Well, you came to the right place. Pell has a limited lifetime warranty on our wood windows, so this doesn't happen again. Thank you. Visit PellaWI.com today. Welcome back to the Bill Michaels Show. We say thank you again to Eric Eager, Sumer Sports. Appreciate his time. And his takes. So we got two picks for the Lions, one for the Cowboys. Although Andy Herman did not sound amped up to be picking the to be picking the Cowboys earlier today. He's like, I guess it's the Cowboys. I guess. Look, and Eric is a sharp and is really used to thinking like a gambler and paying attention to schedules and paying attention to odds and all the things that go along with making an educated pick. It's not just. Oh, I think the Cowboys are going to be really good this year, so I'll bet on them. Well, what are the odds, right? What's their schedule? What division do they play in, right? So maybe the Cowboys are better than the Lions, but as Eric said, the Lions might have an easier path, assuming the Bears aren't going to blow up and be really good. And I don't think the Packers are going to be incredible. I think they're going to be fine and hopefully, you know, start building towards something that is is looking like a contender. The next era, whatever that looks like with Matt LaFleur and Jordan Love or, or beyond. Maybe Jordan Love stinks, but either way, we're going to find out and we're going to start building in the right direction. I don't know. The Cowboys? I can't pick the Cowboys. The Lions? I put the Lions in a bucket with the Seahawks and with the Giants. Now, the, the Lions took a little bit to get off the runway last year, but once they hit the midpoint in the season, they started looking like every bit of a playoff team. More than the Packers. More. I mean, they, they were in the game twice with the Vikings maybe should have won both of those games and did not. The Lions didn't make the playoffs. Now the Giants did and the Seahawks did. 
I'm sure there's some underlying metrics that would say that the Giants and the Seahawks were very similar to the Lions in lots of different ways other than wins and losses, which at the end of the day, I get it. That's what matters. But when you're looking at at predicting one team from the year previous to the next year, you need to look at things other than wins and losses because wins and losses won't tell you the whole story. Look at the Vikings. Nobody's picking the Vikings to make the Super Bowl, I don't think, and they won 13 games last year, 13, 14 games, whatever it was. So you need to look at things past just the record. And the record and the playoff qualification of the Giants and of the Seahawks would tell you, well, they're a step ahead of the Lions. I'm not sure that they are. I think the Lions, the Giants, and the Seahawks are in a very similar camp. I think they're in a very similar spot. They took the league a little by surprise last year. Kind of came out of nowhere with no expectations. They were all very fun. They all had a new energy. Pete Carroll seemed rejuvenated now that Russell Wilson was out of his way. And Daniel Jones seemed like a a bona fide quarterback. How good he is? Well, we can debate that. But he showed to be a good quarterback last year with Brian Dable. And Jared Goff showed to be a good quarterback with the Lions. And that roster looks really good. It's one thing to sneak up on the league and to win eight, nine, ten games and sneak into the playoffs as a wild card or as a, as a division champion, whatever it might be, right? It's another than to show up the next year, have taken another step in the right direction, and to take the next step. Go from eight or nine wins and a wild card to 11, 12 wins and a division win and a legit, you know, contending position. It's hard to make that step. There's lots of teams every year. where It's like, wow, that team was surprising. Look at that. And, and you think, well, next year they're going to be even better. Eh, not always, not often. Not usually, in fact. There's a lot of teams that never get out of that that adolescent stage where they go from a rebuild to a team. It's like, wow, they, they got a plucky roster. They got an exciting roster. Look out. And then they never take the step past being young and exciting. And I don't know if the Lions can take that step. We'll see if the Giants or the Seahawks can take that step. They're all very similar teams to me, even if their seasons ended uh, differently last year. The Lions didn't make the playoffs. The Seattle Seahawks lost to the Niners. And then the Giants, <laughs> the Giants lit the Vikings on fire. Daniel Jones looked like Steve Young in that game last year. I still laugh thinking back about that game. Not at the expense of the Vikings. Whatever. I know they're rivals and we don't like them, but just laughing at how amazing and incredible Daniel Jones looked in that game before just getting waxed by the Eagles seven days later. Talk more NFL. Talk more Brewers. We got one more hour of the Bill Michaels show. Let's make it the best hour of the day. We'll get a sports update. Take a two-minute break. Come back and finish strong on the Bill Michaels Show. Stick around. Stick around. 